0: Good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet and I'm here in the studio with the late Patty Fink. Uh, Our guest today is Bruce Reisman and he is a TV, film and stage writer, producer, director. Uh, We're having some phone problems here so I just want to make sure that what what we did work. Bruce, are you there? Could you turn that up a little bit? And, uh, okay. Bruce, are you there? We're not getting anything. Okay. Okay. Yeah, RCA2 is on. It's marked RCA2. And we have the right things plugged in?
1: Yeah. Okay. Hello?
0: Okay, bring me my phone then. Okay. And we're gonna tell him that we will just reschedule. You will have to reschedule him. We will. Well, so. I'm, I'm the, yeah. I'm handing the phone to him right now. Oh, oh. Good. Um. You know what? We we're gonna try it this way. Okay, Bruce. Yes. Okay. We're we're doing this really old fashioned. Let me pull another microphone over here.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and. How are you, Bruce?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Okay, uh, we're we're like panicking here. <laughs> no panic, no panic. <laughs> because please, we have please. nothing else planned. Josh, could you turn that sound up just a little bit on that microphone, on microphone number three? Okay, so we have you right up to the uh, to the microphone. Uh, Can you hear me? Okay, now. Yes. Yes. Excellent the old-fashioned way works. Um, that's the best. It, it is. It, and it only took five of us here in the studio to figure out a way to get around just, it.
1: Just talk to me, man. I'm 69 years old. I'll tell you kids what to do.
0: <laughs> well, this kid is just two years behind you.
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're both kids.
0: Well, that's true. That's and true. We,
1: we age differently. <laughs>
0: um, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah.
1: Vanity,
0: a lot of vanity. Uh, and right? I'm just adjusting sound. There we go.
1: Now you can hear. If you hear a squeaking in the background, my dog ah. uh, is wants to join us here. And Logan, mellow out okay sorry it's okay. great to
0: have a dog in the mix of all of this chaos we've oh. got a dog this is awesome yeah the dog
1: the, the dog the chaos is entertaining let's go with let's go there it,
0: it is and you know it's what
1: more, it's, your audience is, is loving this chaos
0: uh yeah they're going uh oh, david what have you done to that studio now because <laughs> they know they're i'm they're
1: gonna charge you
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so, Bruce, you have two new films out. One is As Long As I'm Famous. It's uh, available now on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, And it deals with the story of Montgomery Clift and Sidney Lumet's relationship.
1: Yes, yes, tell me when to shut up. I'm not used to being interviewed, so help me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay, (laughs) tell
0: us a little bit about As Long As I'm Famous.
1: As Long As I'm Famous is a... uh, Let's call it Love Actually as an homage to the golden age of Hollywood and Broadway. So it's an ensemble group of eclectic people. Uh, it's all a true story. And it's based, let me take this thing away from Logan here. Now, speaking of Logan, my dog, named after the director, writer, Joshua Logan. Cool. Joshua Logan wrote South Pacific, Mr. Roberts and Pulitzer Prize winner, and Annie Gets Your Gun, and he was my mentor. And he's the one that started this whole thing with As Long As I'm Famous going. Because in 1978, I met him because he was a... I, was, I really idolized him. He had directed Mr. Roberts. He had directed uh, Bus Stop with Meryl Monroe. And he took a liking to me and my writing. And... My dog is saying, Logan, I'm going to put you in the other room. Sorry, David.
0: No, no, no. no. (laughs) This just adds to the chaos. It's perfect. (laughs) Okay, okay.
1: So, um, at this party in 1979, I met Sidney Lamette and so many Broadway luminaries at a Christmas party. Uh, And I became friends with all these older people. And Matt, in those days, I was 28 years old now i'm this age and i stuck to them but i started way below that being a freak for hollywood and the theater even as a little boy i had a mother that had lots of friends in the movie business and she would schlep me along to the studios and i mean it goes even way back to uh when i was eight and or nine or eleven i remember i was walking on the round the warner brothers lot while my mother was having lunch with girlfriends whose husbands uh, were producers and stuff. And I would walk around, and I ended up being an extra in the music man Mm. because the casting director, or it was the second assistant director looked at me and said, why aren't you in costume? And I went, okay, I'm I'm going with this. And all of a sudden I was in 76 trombones. That was my life. And the same thing with New York. So I wrote this, uh, uh, I got to know Sidney Lumet very well, socially, and he would tell me stories, and he told me of his relationship with Montgomery Clift at the Actor's Studio in 1947 and 48. But they got together uh, and uh, had a relationship. For Sidney, it who was, it was Sid then, uh, it was more like a good friend, let's, let's give this a shot, and Clift fell in love with him. And this is explored in As Long As I'm Famous. Mm-hmm. And we shot that in 2018, 17, and uh, it takes about a year to get things going, and uh, it turned out very well. We got good reviews, but it also has um, old other characters, not just, not, not just Montgomery Clift and the Met. It has um, the boxer Gene Tunney, who is played by David Chokice, the star of Baywatch uh it's the really good looking blonde guy and he and i've became very good friends and he has an affair with joshua logan's wife netta who i knew the same, everything happening in the at same summer and in those days secrets were kept right there was no there was no paparazzi and nobody gave it gave a damn anyway by the way not like today any you got into relationships whether it was gay straight or anything in between nobody cared It was of no interest except to the people that were doing it. And the way As Long as I'm Famous is written, it's written like the audience is a fly on the wall. And everything is very private. And it looks like a George Kukor film. It's shot, you know, the the cocktail parties are tuxes and tails. And those are the days when you went to a party, you dressed up. No matter what, opening night, you were formal on Broadway. So it's got uh, that relationship. It's got the Netta, Logan, Jane Tani relationship. I have the Broadway star, not the Broadway star, the silent film star, Theda Berra, who grew up into pop and When Talkies came in, she couldn't get a, a job. She ended up working as a nurse at Bellevue, the mental hospital. Oh and, and she's played by Tracy Nelson, R- Ricky Nelson's daughter. Yeah. She used to be on the Father Dowling Mysteries, yes. And she plays Dita yes. Barra uh, in this, as an, and she's a nurse. I have Michael Perret in it, who was Eddie in the Cruisers, who plays City Lamette as an older man on his deathbed. And uh, it's it's a wonderful potpourri if people like that golden, you know. The, it's you know the movie Hollywood. Ryan Murphy did that miniseries.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. This is
1: that on steroids, mm-hmm. and in ninety three minutes, it's 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 more concise and it's all true. Where his was a, a fictionalized take on that time period. Every moment in my movie is true. I wrote the dialogue because obviously I wasn't alive, you know. But every situation happened, and uh, it, it's and it's a beautiful cast, and and that that led to. Uh, My other movies. That was the first one of my new company, Stony Point, Broadwood Media, which brings us to
0: Stony Point. Bruce, um, just in case somebody listening doesn't know who Montgomery Clift and Sidney Lumet were, because we're old, we know. (laughs) <laughs> but Sidney Lumet was a director who directed uh, sh- movies like Dog Day Afternoons, Serpico, Network. I mean, really, yes, some wonderful movies.
1: Yeah, he started. He started in the late in the early fifties with Twelve Angry Men, and then One of course many Oscar nominations. And and the boy that I cast as twenty six year old Sidney Lumet, his name is Aaron Force, is the spit image. Of Sidney Lumet when he was 26 years old. Hmm. If you if you Google Sidney Lumet at 26, and you see our movie, you go, "How did they cast this guy?" And it was a, a total accident because I didn't know what Sidney looked like when he was 26. But it, it also led to me forming this company, uh, independent film company that started as Broadwood Media and has now evolved into Stony Point Entertainment and we created our own distribution company in conjunction with amazon and all the other ones but this one is more direct people can just hit a button at going to stonypoint.com and they can stream the movies a lot less money and they can buy them for a lot less money and these are movies that people might want to have in our library so we offer them as dvds Um, and they're they're really feel-good movies. You sit down and watch these films, and you learn something new. And because I'm, I'm fascinated with entertainment movies. I'm very cynical about the movies. I'll tell you. Know, I was just sharing with somebody, and I'm not promoting myself with this, but I watched a movie called Pride last night. Have you heard of it? Yes. Yes. And I, had, it's one of those movies I'd heard about, but I didn't see Well, I was home. You know, punching around, and I watched this movie. And I went, this should have won Best Picture last year.
0: Hmm.
1: Not Frances McDormand running around in a, as a homeless woman. That movie is what I write. That's the kind of pictures I write. You get a lump in your throat every 10 minutes. Okay. That's that's what got me going as a kid in the movies. Sure. All of my favorite movies, and I'm sure all yours and And even today, you get the kids down, and the ones that make them, they remember the most, whether it be Frozen, it's about that song she sings. It's the lump in the throat, you see? And that's what I write. And uh, so as long as I'm famous is out and available on, you know, at our website and on Amazon, but if they go to Stony Point Entertainment... They save money and they can own it, and it's a beautiful movie. In fact, when the film came out, I got, we got great reviews, especially from the LGBTQ community, because our depiction, my depiction, which I wrote, of the relationship of Montgomery Clift and Sidney Lamette, from all the reviewers, said the most realistic love relationship they'd ever seen in a movie. Wow. Because I wrote it, never mentioning there was anything unnatural or different. It was just, and when they would have their love scenes, we our one little love scene, which is not nude, it's just shirtless, boxers, okay? Mm-hmm. Kissing, you know, you know, normal, a love scene, right? 21 million views on YouTube. It got so many views, they took it down, because I wanted to monetize it. And you can still see it, but they started again. But in the movie, that relationship is so great. Because I, I like to think I wrote it well, but the two actors were unbelievable. The chemistry was ridiculous. And uh, so that's as long as I'm famous. And then in the mid, then then, after that, we uh, did, uh, just before COVID, I did Glass uh, Call in the Doghouse, which has just been released last week.
0: And tell us and, uh, a little bit it, about that. It's described as just what you said. Your movies are about. It's about redemption and kindness.
1: I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Last call on the doghouse. The doghouse is a bar. It's called the doghouse. Hmm. And you know, and I'll explain to some of your listeners what Brigadoon is. Brigadoon, the musical, is about a town that comes alive every hundred years in Scotland. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well the doghouse is a bar that only lands when it's needed. And it, the only and the owner of the bar is a guy named Dog. That's the doghouse. So what is dog spelled backwards, David? God. Well God owns this bar. Oh. In the in the formation, the physical formation of David Jokichi. Interesting. Sir got it yeah and he has and he has two sons one is a guy named Jess now Jess Jesus so his son is Jesus Christ he has an adopted son named Mo, played by Adam Jacobs the original ad uh, Aladdin on Broadway
0: hmm.
1: Mo is Moses taken the form of Adam Jacobs And so on and so on. And so the family that owns this bar are all spiritual. Of course, the people that come in to drink don't know that. The audience will figure it out soon or not soon, maybe at the end. But when you come in at last call, your life is hit the skids. You're at the lowest point of your life. And we have three characters that come in at separate times. On the same day, and are interwoven, and these people go to work to do an intervention to save their lives and their souls and to return them to happiness. And then when they're done, the bar goes away. And then it's going to come back in our sequel, which we're supposed to start in August, COVID allowing, called In Dog We Trust.
0: Why don't we hold off on that one for just a minute? We need to take a break. Uh, okay.
1: Am I, I yakking too much? I'm no, sorry. no, no. You're, you're doing great. You're doing great.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm holding on to every word. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just glad we were able to get you on the air. They connect, yeah. And I'm yeah. so
1: flattered. You're so sweet to do this.
0: Well, we are sweet, aren't we, Patty? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, no, thank you well, for that, because we don't hear who, that much. Yeah, we don't hear that from people who know us.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. PR and, and helping us support is so important. Sure. Well, Go do your commercial. Go do your commercial. You're
0: listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM in Dallas. I'm Dave Taffet. I'm here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, and we'll be back with more with Bruce Reisman and uh, more Lambda Weekly right after this.
1: Latinas in Progress offers free seminars designed to encourage Latina high school students to stay in school and continue on to college. The seminars build leadership skills, self-esteem, professionalism, cultural awareness, and provide students with college and financial aid information. The seminars are held at local colleges and universities. At the end of every school year, the program offers scholarships to students. For more information and how to apply, dallaslip.org. This is Rollins Gellahan, and I'm listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3, and darn glad to be doing it. And
0: welcome back to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Bruce Reisman. He is a TV, film, and stage producer, director, writer, man of all seasons. We were talking about his new film. that It's available on Amazon, Last Call in the Doghouse, right?
1: No, no, it's, it's, on, it's, on, it's not on Amazon yet. It's, on, it's, it's exclusively now at StonyPointEntertainment.com. Oh, okay. oh. And they can get it much cheaper And uh, the way we do this, David, one of the reasons we did uh, create our own distribution company is we have more control. Sure, We can sell it cheaper and we can do promos for benefits. Like if a charity wants, uh, you know, I have lots of favorite charities and a lot of friends. And if they enter like a a promo code. Then they get a, they get a discount and then partial twenty percent goes to their favorite charity. So it, I try I keep it small but human. You know I mean because the media, is, as you well know, it it becomes way too big. You know Amazon got way too big. You have to start searching for things, and this way I can keep it you know successful, but I can return you know I can pay it back. Does that make sense?
0: Sure, sure. You know. Like Um, like
1: the movie Pride, you
0: know? (laughs) Right. Do you know, I've seen that advertised. I'm going to go watch it now. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, yeah.
1: Look, I'm giving them my time. To hell with them.
0: Yeah, to hell with them. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about you. And you have a sequel uh, to your film, uh, Last Call in the Doghouse. It's called In Dog We Trust.
1: Yeah, we're going to start shooting that. We were supposed to start shooting it on the 10th. And then L.A. is now back on uh, semi-lockdown. so we postponed it and uh it, it's very weird we're finding a lot of uh people not my old actors like the actors that are repeating their parts but a lot of the new ones are not getting vaccinated they refuse these these kids they won't do it so
0: they're I, and i won't have an, un, an unhealthy uh set well of course not of course yeah not. well
1: they lie but that's not that's not going there um But, yeah, I've been doing this. I've been doing this. uh, I sold my first script. I don't know
0: if it's in my bio. You read it when I was uh, 12. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How does a 12-year-old write a TV script? Uh, The script was for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. That's
1: right. Which was one of my
0: favorites when I was a kid. I loved seeing it. It was my
1: favorite. Bonanza and and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. The two of them. Bonanza even earlier. Uh, Bonanza was really got was really got me into
0: it and you wrote a script for bonanza too
1: no oh okay Uh, no i but i ended up spending many years on the set of bonanza i forced my way into the situation that was the way i lived when i was a kid because i i would rather be around studio adults and kids than normal my peers you know what i'm saying
0: oh i do because I did yeah. the same thing. I grew up in New York, and I basically did the same thing hanging out at the stage doors on Broadway. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And, if I, and when I lived in New York, even in my 20s and 30s, because I was bi-coastal, um, all my, actually, most of my closest friends now are in New York. If I could afford to live there right now, I'd be gone. Because I, it, I, I had a great place at, at 87th in Amsterdam. Oh, nice. And, oh, it was a beautiful co-op that I bought for with a bunch of other actors for like 80,000 bucks, uh. and that was worth seven million. Oh,
0: wow! <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> it was one of those two story, you know, grand houses, you know, uh-huh. with be walking blue winding stairway to the upstairs. It's ridiculous, but mm-hmm. enough about the real estate market. Yeah, I, 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 how does a guy I wrote? I was. I I had a tape recorder and a little reel-to-reel and I would tape the voice to the bottom of the sea and then I would transcribe it. But I didn't know what the format was. So this wonderful mom that I had, God rest your soul, she just died five years ago at 92. She went out and bought me a book called Teleplay. And in this book, at the back of it was an actual copy of a Teleplay. And it showed you what fade in exterior and all that stuff was. So I copied it and I did. I wrote a script for a voice to the bottom of the sea. And in those days, it was a very tiny business. I would just get the address of Berwin Allen's office. He was the head guy, Mm -hmm. you know, towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure. And lost in space. And lost in space, which is another story. And uh, because one led to the other. And so I, I I, uh, found the address. I, I typed up the, the carbon, you know, with a carbon copy. Remember when this was? Right. it's like 62.
0: or early 60s. 63. 63. Right, yeah.
1: yeah. So I sent it in, but they sent it back with a letter saying you have to sign a, a release form. So I did. And then about a month later, I got home from school, and the phone rings, and my mom says, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, okay. Oh, Bruce, somebody from uh, 20th Century Fox wants to talk to you. She made, she made nothing of it, because she knew I was weird and loved it, you know? Bruce is on one of his adventures, and I'm going to have to drive him somewhere. So that's the way she was. And uh, this lady got on the phone and said, are you Bruce and I said, yes. And she says, well... Mr. Allen would like to meet you about your script. Can you come uh, to the studio at 20th Century Fox on Friday at 3.30? I said, hold on a second. She didn't know I was going to talk to my mother. I said, Mom, can you take me to 20th Century Fox at 3.30 on Friday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Right in the middle of traffic. There was no 405 then. So it was an hour drive. And... Uh, so I got on the phone with Susan, her name was. I said, yes, I, I can, I'll be there. Okay. So my mom takes me, we get on the lot, do that bullshit, sorry. And uh, we sit in the office. My mother says, uh, Mr. Reisman is here to see her everyone out. Okay, have a seat. So about 35 minutes goes by. We're sitting and, you know, reading Life Magazine and I'm doing homework. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this my mom says to the lady, um, we've been sitting here a long time and i got to get the kid home for, to do his homework. And the lady said, well, we're just waiting for your husband to get here, Mr. Eastman <laughs> and, and my mother said, what? The Bruce Reisman. And my, my, my mother points at me and says, that's him. That's Bruce Reisman. <laughs> and so, so, this is, so she couldn't believe it. So she runs into Irwin Allen's office. He pokes his head out. I don't believe. It. She's in shock. So he, yeah, he, you wrote this script? Yes. So he calls me in his office. I mean, I'm, I, I must have been four foot two. I was a munchkin. And uh, he said, well, how do you know to write this? And I said, I told him the story I just told you. He says, I want you to prove it. Go sit down and write a scene between uh, Captain Crane and Admiral Nelson. I said, what do you want it to be? He says, anything you want. I sat down at the IBM Selectric, wrote it. And they bought the story. And I became I I became a pest to Irwin Allen until he died, and not a pest, but I was on every set. I was an extra in the Poseidon Adventure. I got soaked. I was I in the Towering Inferno. I got stepped on by Steve McQueen. I, I mean, Richard <laughs> Chamberlain was an ass. I mean, I, I and I got to know them all, you know, because he was this little kid that just asked these questions, you know, and sat with Fred Astaire, and you know, during the break, I just sat with him and talked about movies, hmm. you know, and I entertained them because you know, being on a set is so boring. But I was I was fascinated by everything. You know, what's that like for? What is that for? What's this? And that was my whole life.
0: I'm curious about the script itself. How much did they change it?
1: A hundred percent.
0: Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they what they were really buying was your story then.
1: They bought they bought the story and what it was. It was a variation. It's interesting on the original movie, A Voice to the Bottom of the Sea, where the sky caught fire. Hmm. And they needed the stock footage. Uh, they had all the stock footage from the movie that they're going to reuse. But they had to put it back into black and white because the series, the first season was black and white. And they, they, they used my, a lot of my dialogue to wrap around this new story. And that's, but then I stayed forever. But then I went on Lost in Space, did the same thing. You know, while they were shooting my episodes called "War of the Aliens," I was running around with Bill Loomis. We were the same age. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I just, I, I, I was, I lived when I wasn't at home because I didn't have a good home life. It was really bad, and my mother protected me from it as best she could and got me, just yanked me to the studios. Or I would take a bus. I know, every bus between here and Warner Brothers I mean I lived in Woodland Hills which is the valley like the suburbs of mm-hmm. Los Angeles and I would I know the bus to Burbank I know the bus to Century City I know the bus to Hollywood Paramount I was on the Bonanza set constantly, constantly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so I want to go back to Lost in Space because that was one of my other <laughs> favorite shows when I was a kid
1: but well, let's not let's not veer away from Stony Point. I want them. I want, we got
0: to promote my movies too. We'll we'll get right back to your movies. You promise? I, I promise. Now, now I'm going to be entrepreneur. Uh, you can
1: slap me, you can slap me around a bit.
0: No, we're we're going <laughs> back to your movies. Um, Doctor Smith was he? Doctor, uh,
1: what do you want to know about Jonathan uh,
0: Harris? Oh, tell me. I'm sure you have a story. Many.
1: Jonathan Harris was. First of all, that character was supposed to only be in the pilot. Right. And just go away. And then they'd get rid of him. Well, he took off. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, the people liked him. So they added him more episodes. And they always kept his billing special guest stars. Because you never knew what was going to happen to Jonathan Harris of course he ended up being Dr. Smith being of the show him and the robot were Abbott and Costello and the rest of it was all nonsense and you know it was like it was like a Shakespearean actor and a robot well John, Jonathan Harris of course I got to know him very well but then I grew up you know his show went off the air he went off into the about five years ago I was in a drugstore, uh, and then they called him Savon now they're CBS and who is standing in front of me is Jonathan Harris, he, he, he shrunk or I got bigger, you know. He was very old, and he was literally right in front of me in line. And I said, "Excuse me, Mister Harris." Turns around, and he looked exactly the same, only old, you know. Mm-hmm. And and he says, "Do I do I know you, young man?" You know, with that accent. And uh, I said, "Yeah," and I reminded him, and he said, "Oh." You would get you a know, curly top, because that's what they used to call me. I, I had mm-hmm. like Annie, Annie, a uh, little orphan Annie here, and yeah, you remember me. And we went outside. He says you have time to have a cup of coffee. And we went to Marie Calendar's and sat for two hours and chatted about something that happened forty years ago.
0: Huh. Is
1: he was, and he, he died about a year later, but we oh, stayed in touch. Okay. He was. They remembered me because I remembered them. You know, I mean, I knew everything about them. But for me, it was just part of my training. You know, mm-hmm. you're a surgeon, you know what a suture is. And if you're in show business, whether you're an actor or a director, I'm very old school. You have to know everything, you have to know the history. See, today, the actors, they don't care. I'll, I'll call in young actors in their 20s, they've never seen a Marlon Brando movie, ever. Wow. You have no idea how uninterested they are in the history. And the ones that are are really good actors and actresses. Hmm. It makes a huge difference. Because they have their idols, you know, that they want to emulate. Mm-hmm. Now they they just have social media and their own vanity and, and acting classes going to crunch or the gym. If you're a leading man, it doesn't, you know, it's not about your talent, it's about your abs. <laughs> Right, but, true. This <laughs> no. is him chuckling.
0: Now uh, hey,
1: what do you have to say about this? Okay, so
0: um that brings us to another point I oh. wanted to ask you about. You have a reputation for writing for women. Yes. How did you develop that? Or my
1: mom. Ah. Everything was every character in my movies is my mom. Mm. Heroic. Smarter. Um uh tougher. My mother, my mom was she was Hillary Clinton in the '60s without being a Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. She was the head. She was the head of every committee, and she was a housewife. They could they could do both. My mother was a normal, completely. I'm not going to use the word subservient housewife, but my mother had a philosophy, and all of my girlfriends at the time would come to her and go why did you have a 72 year marriage not whether it was it's their 50th anniversary or whatever and my mother would say two things one when you're in a relationship any relationship boy boy girl girl you must always make your partner believe they're the smartest person in the room at the time (laughs) whether they are or not number two if if you're married you're a woman you have to be two things. You have to be Julia Child in the kitchen and a prostitute in the bedroom.
0: Well, that describes Patty. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? But my mother was able to be the smartest person in the room. She was the head of everything. She could have run for Congress. She was that lady. And when I got to know the Clintons, that's a whole other story, I got to know the Clintons very well in the in the, uh, uh uh, early 80s, because I worked at 20th Century Fox uh, with Harry Thomason, oh. who created Designing Women. Sure. And he was my boss on The Fall Guy, and his college roommate was Bill Clinton, governor at that time of Arkansas. They mm. came to visit. I can tell you stories. I can, and, and they're all in my movies. So, I mean, these women are always just, I write them well because um, I like them. You know, And my teacher, Jane Heidel, who's 90 years old still, from the 13, when I was 13, she started me writing. She comes to every premiere. That's She's awesome. the one that recognized that I was weird <laughs> in a good way. And she and my mother got in cahoots, and they, she encouraged me to write. And it, because of her, I'm a writer, Jane Heidel, because I wanted to be an actor. That's what I wanted to be. But I didn't have any talent.
0: But you have done some acting. Uh, You were a a semi-regular I still didn't
1: have any talent. I fooled them.
0: (laughs) You were a semi-regular on The Waltons. How did that come about?
1: 13 episodes. But I I, I quit the first time I saw myself on film in The Waltons. I never worked again. I I fired my agent that day. You want to hear that story? Yeah, yeah. I was... uh, This was 1974. I think I was 23. God, I'm an old bastard. And Richard Thomas and I became friends. And I played a very tiny part when John Boy went to college. I was the the city guy who gave him hell for, you know, being a bumpkin. I maybe had one or two lines an episode. But I worked, you know. And on Fridays, he and I, if we happened to work the same day, uh, if I was in a scene, he was in a scene, and we would go to the smokehouse across the street and have uh, margaritas, and he said, let's go. We finished early. Let's go watch dailies from yesterday. Dailies are, is the stuff that they shot the day before, and you'd go to a screening room and watch on a big screen what you shot mm-hmm. the day before, and it happened to be my stuff in the classroom. I said I'm not going to dailies. Since you're going, let's go. I'm not going. He talks me into going. I see. I walk in. I see myself on the big screen, and I, I, I literally ran out and went to the bathroom and threw up. Oh my god! Literally, <laughs> I'm physically, physically. Now that could have been a combination of being a Jewish neurotic in my twenties, you know, uh, and being immediate. It just I knew how bad I was. And I ran into a phone booth. Remember those things? That's nostalgia. Yeah. And I called my agent and said, I'm done. She says, what do you mean you're done? I just told her. I told her what I just told you. She says, you're crazy. I said, I'm serious. I don't want you to send me out anymore. She says, you have one more episode. next week? I said, I don't want to do it. You have to. You have a contract. <laughs> so I went to the director, Harry Harris. God love him. God rest him. I said, Harry, please. You know I'm shit. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 you know I'm not a good actor. Please take my lines away. Give them to Kathy Cronkite. Walter Cronkite's daughter was in the classroom with us. She said, okay, I did one more episode. I just sat in the classroom, wouldn't speak. I felt more comfortable, and I never acted again. Hmm. Wow. Uh, well, that was awful. And that was such a staple in American homes at the time. You know. What, the Waltons? Oh, Yeah. No. Oh my God yes I was but again I got very close to Earl Hamner Jr. who was the creator of it because I loved the writers I love the directors
0: mm-hmm.
1: I loved being around them and I also loved watching the actors watching Ralph Waite and Michael learned and will Gear and Richard Thomas I mean those guys knew their stuff it was like it was like being hypnotized <laughs> hypnotized by. The true talent of these theater-trained actors, that's
0: the key. We need, to take an, we need to take another break. We're talking to Bruce Reisman. He's a TV film and stage... Who, who,
1: just, yeah, who talks too much, I'm sorry. No, the oh, f-
0: you're good. You're, you're just fine. Uh, producer, writer, director. Uh, his latest films, uh, one of them is available on Amazon Prime, but you can get them at Stony Point Entertainment. Dot com, .com.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you. One is called As Long As I'm Famous. and uh, It's about the relationship between Montgomery Clift and Sidney Lumet. And the other is uh, We'll Call in the... Last call, last, L- last Call. Last, last call. call. But there's call. another one in between we'll talk to
1: you next.
0: Oh, okay. We'll talk about that right after we take this break. Follow the official KNON Twitter page at KNON893FM. Check out what's happening around your favorite radio station by following us on Twitter. Be the first to see new posts,
1: behind the scenes videos, polls, and more. That's at KNON893FM. Give us a follow on Twitter today. Hi, this is Boletta Lil, and I listen to Landlord Weekly. I hope that you will too.
0: And. And we've we've just been talking on the air. With that was a real short break. <laughs> uh, well, that is a short break. we're talking to Bruce Riesman. Um, he has a a new new film, or no, the the film between As Long as I'm Famous and Last Call in the Doghouse. We
1: shot we shot this one. It's called Adam Jacobs Behind the Curtain, and I created a a, a new form called a documentary, uh, sort of a. a biography. And when Adam Jacobs, who is the original Aladdin on Broadway, and for five years, he played it, and quite the the star, if you know, theater, good looking kid, kids 40 years old. But um, when I cast him in Last Call the Doghouse, I came up with an idea. I said, Well, why don't you come out early and do a concert at Feinstein's? And I'll shoot it with four cameras live we'll have an invited audience one night only and we will also make it your story because he's got a fascinating story he's half filipino half jewish and his struggle to get hired because of his ethnicity and to have a career is fascinating mm. so we turned it into a um a documentary concert And so he's performing live all the Broadway standards from Family, the Opera, all the Disney stuff. But we intercut his personal journey from a little boy and his family's emigration from the Philippines through his success. And it's beautiful. It's it's called Adam Jacobs Behind the Curtain. It's not just a guy standing there singing. It's about his story. We have separate cutaways shot beautifully. And uh, I highly recommend it to anybody that that loves, you know, Broadway and show tunes, but wants to get to know this very handsome, charismatic, sweet, shy, wonder. I'll I'll tell you an interesting story. You're going to like this story. So I got Last Call in the Doghouse going. I had met Adam yet. Mm Mm-hmm. So my casting director says, for the breakdown, how do you want me to write the description of Moe? And I said, well, I want an Adam Jacobs Aladdin type. She says, well, why don't we go after him? I said, no, he's too big a star. He's never going to want to do this. She says, well, let's try. Long story short, she finds out through social media, even though he lives in Chicago, he's in L.A. for the weekend for a wedding. <laughs> She tracks down his agent, tells the agent, and she goes on the phone. She's old school. She don't do this email nonsense. She keeps talking, and she says, "We've got a script for Adam Jacobs. We've got to get it to him this weekend." Da 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 da. Long story short, the the long story's good too. But he, he gets the script. He reads it on the plane going back to Chicago, and we signed the deal Tuesday morning. Nice. He read the script. He and I got on the phone, connected by Zoom, fell in love with each other as, you know, artists, because he liked my theater background and mm-hmm. he wanted he wanted to move into film. He had only done some episodes of TV shows out of New York, but he was locked into, you know, that New York world and he wanted to make movies. Well, when he came out here, I said, Let's do this this uh documentary too. So we did it. Two weeks before we shot it in Last Call in the Doghouse. And this guy, that myth about stage actors not being good for film, Mm -hmm. especially musical actors, being too big. No, 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 no. Adam Jacobs is Spencer Tracy. Mm -hmm. He is one of the best actors I've ever worked with. I didn't even have to direct him on film because I don't direct heavy anyway. I, 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 directing with actors is all casting. You know, you cast the right guy or girl, you just nudge him. You just say, more or less, all right, go. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, a good director stays out of the way. And Adam developed the chemistry with the actor that played his stepbrother, Aaron Forrest, playing Jesus Christ. They hit it all, and they had scenes together that were magic. And Last Call in the Doghouse is the best thing I've ever done. I have never been more proud of anything. We had a press screening two weeks ago. We had standing ovations. And I, it was the first time I wasn't surprised.
0: Is that available I, yet?
1: Oh, yeah, right now on Stony Point Entertainment. On Stony
0: Point Entertainment. It's
1: the, okay. it's the, it's the movie. You know, it, It's Cheers meets Touched by an Angel. Hmm. <laughs> That's the way. I, the only way I can describe it. And you will laugh. You'll cry. You'll be... You'll be, what's going on here? It's field of dreams. People, I mean, I'm sitting in a, in a small screening room of about 80 people. And the crying and the laughter, I was spun. Because, you know, when you write, you don't write to manipulate. You write to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. It's my truth. And I was so surprised by the things. And there's even there's even a uh, uh, another gay storyline, which I put in every movie now. Every movie because i i have so many friends LG. There. i have uh, it has to be because it's got to be normalized like everything else because it is i'm from the woodstock days you see uh, the things that i experienced and in, in college this, it's nothing i mean we did it all and so it was it was fun and crazy then now everybody's life is about inclusion so i put it in and the way I reason I don't write them, these these love relationships. You don't hear the word gay mentioned in Last Call in the Doghouse. You just see you these just two see men. Mm-hmm. You just see these two men getting together. Right. It's never discussed. There's a wedding in it, it's a gay wedding, never discussed. And they're not talking, and their relationship's not based on, oh, we're struggling, oh, well, society, well, our parents accept us, but I don't want to be good. No, no, I don't know. It's just, they're as messed up as, as the straights are.
0: Good. <laughs> <laughs> because I am so tired of those, uh, oh, poor me.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Especially during COVID, the happiest people I know and the people are my best friends are the LGBT community, mm-hmm. the guys especially. No matter what, fun, fun, fun. I went out. I, I, on Friday night. I met a, uh, an actor that's going to be in uh, in Jawsy Trust. Uh, I'm not going to mention because he's he's an out gay man. But it's not my it's not my. I don't know him well enough to say. Hey, this guy's gay. But um, he's an incredibly good looking man. He's also a medical doctor. Oh wow huh. interesting this, you're gonna love this guy he's his, i can tell you his name his name but if you look him up lycan scott l-y-c-a-m lycan scott okay. this guy he's 34 years old he is so funny he was like i felt like i was on a date it was like the best first date ever they ain't going anywhere you know i mean he's in a 10-year marriage and all that stuff but i had more fun with him because it's it's almost like an opposite stereotype. It's just a survival thing. They're so funny, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, I think everybody back in my generation—well, you're sixty-seven, so you know—everybody was more of a thrill seeker, we, and we didn't take life that seriously. Right. We had big. The serious stuff was Vietnam and right and political unrest. But our lives, you know, let's go get, let's go have drinks. Exactly. Let's exactly. Let's, let's go to a, a Missoula party. Oh, you don't know what that is.
0: A Missoula party, no.
1: <laughs> Google it. Okay. Right now. <laughs> but we can't talk about it. But we went to those. Those were common. So when I see all these people coming in and hopping about, about these relationships, I just go, I don't find it to be that way. I find them to be, you know, politically repressed, but individually, how fun. In New York, come on, look. Mm-hmm. I mean, that whole theatrical community, the best. Exactly, the best.
0: exactly. I, I want to go in a different direction. We only have a few minutes left. You wrote no. an ep- you wrote an episode of The Young Riders, and that got you yes. inducted into the National Cowboy Hall of Fame.
1: Isn't that sweet? How did you? Well, you did your homework.
0: I did do my homework. How did that well, what happen? Would you like to know. Um, how how did that happen?
1: I'll tell and, you how it happened. And
0: are you really a cowboy? <laughs>
1: I'm Jewish I'm not a cowboy we yes, own the so, so we own are
0: Josh the and I we
1: own, we own the horses we don't we don't ride them gotcha gotcha okay I've never met a Jewish cowboy <laughs> No, I'm sorry it's not you know, we we stay on the ground we're desert people camels if anything you know escaping you know we don't get on horses (laughs) i wouldn't get on a horse the one guy i knew that got on a horse when i was a kid mm -hmm. his name my buddy todd later jewish boy got on the god blessing horse The horse threw him stomped on his kidney and he lost his kidney my buddy in college in in, in grammar school he was jewish he shouldn't have gotten on a a damn horse
0: josh have you ever (laughs) ridden a horse
1: yes i have and and i have too but but I was I was not Jewish for the first oh, fifteen true. years you of my Jewish life. Then.
0: <laughs> when I was a kid, I rode a horse.
1: You weren't Jewish.
0: I, mean, I am if Jewish.
1: If you did, you got hives on your thighs.
0: Well, I that's never what, did get along with the horses real well. But.
1: <laughs> See, <laughs> and I, I'm here. I rode I all the time. I was taking to kitty land in Chicago, they forced me to get on this damn pony. I had shorts on. I didn't want to go on this thing. It was ugly. It smelled, and I
0: got on it, and I came home with hives. In my inner thighs. And now you're in the National Cowboy Hall of Fame. (laughs) That's
1: right. And and Westerns are my number one genre. Because my third installment of Last Call in the Doghouse is going to be a Western. Hmm. And I'm writing a pilot that's a Western with David Chokice in mind. It's called the Malibu West. It's It's a Western that takes place on the California coast which people didn't know, you know. There were ranches on the ocean.
0: Well, California's west. It could be a western.
1: Of course. No. It takes place in a, in a town called Saratoga up north. But getting back to Young Riders, Young Riders was a staff-written show. But my agent at the time had a lot of power, and he called the executive producer and said, you've got to meet this writer. And he's got a great idea for an episode. Well, we don't take outside assignments. This is when shows became in house. And he said, "Well, you got to meet Bruce and let him pitch the story. So I pitched him the story about this, uh, Henry David Thoreau type, um, uh, Davy Crockett writer. All right. Mm-hmm. Who was very close to the Indians and he hated that the Indians were being, uh, repressed and messed with. he was called Requiem for a hero. And it was about a man who forms a very close friendship with uh, one of the young writers who was uh, the Baldwin kid. What was, was the young one that
0: before he went crazy? Billy? Uh, what's his name? Billy. Um, the youngest uh, Baldwin. Yeah, Billy. Billy. The, Billy.
1: No, younger. Oh, younger. Uh, the, oh. the blonde one. I can't believe I can't remember. He's such a sweetheart, but he lost his mind. But uh, that's a whole other story. And But I wrote it for him because he was the best actor on the show and uh they bought it and they filmed it and prunell roberts who was in bonanza Mm -hmm. ended up playing that character so i got to hang out i went to tucson and was on the set and met prunell because that's where we shot and got to talk about bonanza 40 years later you know and why he quit and all Mm -hmm. that other nonsense Mm -hmm. and then uh the script one uh an award this very coveted I didn't know what it was I never heard of it the Wrangler Award and I won the same year in 1991 as Kevin Cosner won for Dances with Wolves and so I had to go to Oklahoma City to get this thing and it would, as it turns out they never informed me you know this they had known like for a month that I had won this award over at uh, MGM and they never informed me or my agent I had to read it in the, in, in variety That I'd won this award. A week before the ceremony, I call my agent, he goes berserk. Turns out these people, the other writers, were so jealous that none of their scripts won, that they were so mad they were gonna keep me out of that ceremony. But my agent went to hell with this. They sent me a limo and I was treated when I showed up at that table, they these writers, these little brats, just freak. What are you doing here? I said, I'm here to pick up my effing award. <laughs> you know? I said, and I, they would start to talk, now they start to, kiss, you know, kiss up to me. I said, don't talk to me. I don't want to know you in my life. <laughs> and I would sit and talk to, um, oh, Stephen Baldwin. That was his name. Stephen. Because he, he won Best Actor because of my script. Mm-hmm. And Prinell Roberts won Best Guest Actor because of my script. And there I was. So that's the young writers. Um, Now,
0: we're just about out of time, but you've written for shows like Chips and T.J. Hooker and Airwolf and The Fall Guy and even The Care Bears.
1: God, you're good. You're really good. Yes, I did. Uh, It's
0: on your IMDb. (laughs) Oh, yes, okay. I don't look at that thing. It it makes me
1: feel like I'm old. Reminds me I'm getting Social Security. But, uh, But you know something? Ageism is so bad that... I had to take half of my stuff off my, IMDb, but, I, but now I don't get hired anymore. I don't want to, I want to do my own stuff. And that's why we have to talk about stonyfornentertainment.com. It's a beautiful website. It's got trailers. It's got all our PR. You get to meet, see all the interviews with our actors. And it's a, it's a, it's a really, and my movies are all PG 13 at the most. I don't have any nudity, not out of any morality, okay? But I don't want to see it with anybody because it takes away from my words. If they're staring at a, a, a beautiful woman without her top on or a shirtless guy with abs, they're not listening to my words.
0: And, and the movies to look for are As Long As I'm Famous, Last Call in the As Long As I'm House. Famous, uh,
1: uh, Adam Jacobs Behind the Curtain, and, and, and now... Last call in the doghouse, which is my is. I am telling you, guaranteed, people will love it. it it's it's such. It, I still cry watching it. I can't believe I wrote
0: it. Bruce, we have to take off. I want to thank, thank you, you so much I for being with us. Thank you
1: for listening to my big mouth.
0: Oh, you are awesome. We enjoy awesome. your big mouth, and and we'd love to have your big mouth come back again. Yeah, sometimes. Um, yeah, sometimes uh, when the phones are working.
1: <laughs> yes, well, let's do it again. And you guys, what can I do to support you guys? I can get you. I'll send you people. I mean, this is so kind, and we all have to help each other, don't we? Yes, we do. We do. That so, that would be awesome. I'll get you any of my actors you want.
0: Great. I will talk to you about that. God bless sure. you guys. Thank you. For all have a of us here day. at Lambda Weekly, have a great week. Our guest next week is Candy Markham and uh, ha- have a good week.